Welcome back, you guys, to the Spiritually Intimate Conversations podcast. I am your host, Blair Dreesen, and with me, as always, my beautiful co-host, Jenny Ryerson. Hello, hello, Spiritually Intimate community. We are super pumped about this episode, and let me just tell you a little reason why before we get into the actual topic, it required me and Jenny to really activate our one lines big time. Right, Jenny? Yes. Oh, yeah. I think the first thing I said to you when we hopped in was like, oh my God, I'm geeking out. My one line is so activated right now. <laughs> I was like, I'm so excited about this conversation. Yes. So, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell them a little bit why that is with the one line. So for those that are like, what the heck is a one line? What does that even um, mean? Well, of course, we cannot have a conversation without talking about human design in some form. <laughs> it's so completely just, impossible. Sorry, just get used to it. If you still haven't pulled up your chart, go pull up your chart. It'll be in the, <laughs> it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> now it has to be. I'll put um, a link in the show notes for you guys to pull your okay, chart. <laughs> perfect. Um, no, the one line in human design, it's the foundation line and it's called the investigator and both Blair and I, I'm a one four and Blair's a four one. Um, so those are kind of char- uh, personality profile characteristics. Think of it like an archetype. And so the investigator, we're very much into um, acquired knowledge. Um, so what that means is we are, we learn much more through like documentaries, podcasts, um, reading books, reading articles, um, just kind of gathering information, you know, you're kind of, you know, bookwormy kind of archetype. Um, but it also means we go down lots of rabbit holes. Oh, yes. (laughs) So when we know one thing, we have to know all the things. So, uh, we, Google is my friend. Blair and I always joke we say Google is my best friend and I don't know how I existed um, before Google I honestly don't and I'm going to share this story and I'm going to remind me that I already shared the Taco Bell story Blair don't ever let me share it again (laughs) this will be the one and only time I share on the podcast all my clients who are one lines hear this story but before I even knew about human design um this is just to show the rabbit holes and I swear we'll jump into the topic Um, but I'm driving, I'm on a road trip, I'm the passenger. And how many times in your day, in your life, do you see a Taco Bell, right? It's like, they're there. They've been around our entire lives. Like whatever it's Taco Bell, it is what it is. And, um, we're driving to Taco Bell. Did you? I know. Um, Well, then maybe you already knew this part of the story. Maybe you didn't. If you didn't, now now you will. And we're driving down, and I just see this Taco Bell on the side of the freeway, and I was just like, Taco Bell. Hmm. I wonder why it's called Taco Bell. And this thought goes in my head, and it just sits there, and it permeates, and it's now... I need to know why Taco Bell is called Taco Bell. There is no, no pass and go, no collecting $200. This thought is in my head. I need to know this information. It's the very one line thing. I need to know. I need to know. I cannot continue until I know. So then I start making hypothesis in my head. Well, I think, I don't know why I know this, but I think Taco Bell originated in California, which as you know, that's where I'm from. That's where I live. And I think it has, it was originated in California. I don't know why I know that. The symbol is a bell. We do have missions all up and down the coast. Maybe it's a homage to the missions from the Spanish settlers up and down the coast of California. Hmm. <laughs> How will I ever know if this is accurate or not? I know. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to fucking Google it. So I Google it. This is where being a one line becomes very upsetting. The results of my Google were very anticlimactic. <laughs> oh my God, this is what I experienced last night. Before we got on, I told you yes. one of my one lines activated. I was researching 
more information for the topic that we have today. And all of a sudden it was like somebody poked a hole and just deflated my one line. It was like, oh, I was like, oh, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> yes. And that's like the saddest thing for a one line, right? It's like, it's like, it's the, and there's a dead end. And so anyway, oh, Taco Bell is called Taco Bell because the dude's last name was Bell. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I, I know I've told you that story, but it is so anticlimactic. I mean, it could have been Taco Smith. It could have been <laughs> Taco Williams. It could have been Taco anything, right? But it was Taco Bell, very anticlimactic story, but my one line had to know and it wouldn't let it go. So one line's big time investigators. We want to learn all the things. Rabbit holes are just, and you and I both have open heads. So that <laughs> means that we are open to all kinds of ideas and information. Rabbit hole central. Yeah. Um, and the company it itself is also a one four. So spiritually intimate, we pulled yeah. its chart. It's also a one four as well. So I feel yeah. like it just aligns very well to me and Jenny and even what we want to provide for you guys. Like when we thought about the episode for today, we were like, you know what? We really want to share more actual um, like information that people may not know about this yeah. topic. And like, it just lit us up. And then we got all excited because we're like, we're going to share with them all this information. <laughs> exactly. And it's information that we kind of already knew, but we both needed to, this is another one line thing is fear of being seen as a failure, a fraud or imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. So even though we know enough and we could have recorded this podcast yesterday when we got thought the topic up, our one lines were like, no, 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 no. Let's go research and make sure we actually know what we know. And <laughs> doing that, in doing that, it, it fulfills that fear of being a fraud, but it also um, makes us go down more rabbit holes because we both came to this conversation being like, well, I knew this, 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 and this, but I didn't know this. Yeah. And oh my gosh, that's crazy. Cause I knew this, 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 and this, and I learned, I remembered this, or I relearned this, or I found this out. And so, yeah. One lines are very activated right now. You can hear the excitement in our voices because the one line really steps into its power when it gets to share that knowledge that it sought out. Oh so my gosh. So if you're a one line, line, you're just like, oh. You're like, that's me. That's me. That's me. That makes that's all the me. sense. <laughs> this is why I have to go down every single rabbit hole known to man. One one side note of that, it really does have to be something that activates me. Like, I'm not going to go research the holy fuck out of, like, certain things. Like, probably this is why I hated history class, because a lot of the things that they wanted to talk about weren't the things I wanted to research. But I would get really excited when they talked about, like, Egyptian and Mayan and Aztec. Like, those things were so freaking interesting to me. So my one line was all excited, and I would research the holy shit out of everything and read extra things because those things were exciting. But when they went into, like, the, you know, That's because you're a starseed. I'm a starseed, right? Uh, <laughs> that's, why those, that's why those specifically three <laughs> Egypt, like all those things. Sorry, yeah. another call. Another that's call. a whole other call right there. So let's, let's land on the topic at hand, shall we? Okay. So fine, honestly, fine. you guys, we are coming up on something super fucking rare. Not just a full moon, but a full moon on Halloween. So on Halloween, like, could it get any better? Mom, Hello. Which is that? <laughs> So yeah, this is going to get, uh, what I'm going to love about this conversation is it's going to get really informative. It's going to give you, we're going to give you a lot of information about the full moon, you know, why, you know, a full moon is important, 
Um, but I'm also going to be talking a, a little bit about some things that I didn't even know about this full moon and it being a blue moon and what that all means. Um, and we're going to give you some really interesting facts about that. Uh, we're going to be talking about full moon rituals at the end. We have some surprises for you at the end. So literally like you're going to want to listen to this entire episode. And then Jenny is going to be sharing everything about, um, things that you might not know about Halloween that and even the potency. The history of Halloween. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to get a little witchy, but it's also going to get like, these are the things that me and Jenny really geek out about. We really love like the science behind things. We love the spirituality behind things. We like the witchy kind of th the, behind things. We like the modern day take on things. We like everything. It's like a clusterfuck of all the things all together and we geek out over all of it. So we want to just like bring it all to this conversation so you guys can get like the full spectrum of everything. So yeah. first thing we want to talk about is the full moon and what is a full moon and why is a full moon so important? So the full moon is one, the moon is the feminine energy. If you didn't know this and, and, um, and, and astrological, like what it means in your, um, like you have your sun sign, your moon sign, all those things. It's all the feels. This is, um, how you show up emotionally and in your feels. And so the feminine energy of the moon, it's, very potent, very beautiful that we want to be harnessing and working with. And we can work with it in a multitude of different ways. Um, but the full moon at its core is really about illuminating the truth. And it's illuminating the things um, that we need to release, what we need to heal. It's about, um, this is a period of time also to be uh, self-reflecting um, on ourself and the intentions uh, that we set with the previous new moon, which we're going to talk about new moon a little bit. But what's also really fun about this full moon is that we're also pairing it with a Mercury retrograde right now. So that's amplifying it. That's also making it a little bit more rare um, at this period of time as well, because Mercury retrograde, if you don't know this, is all about this like slowing down self-reflection, kind of going inward, re-evaluating. It's not about making all these big decisions or over committing ourselves during a retrograde. So when you pair that retrograde energy with the full moon energy of the self-reflecting and the releasing, it just magnifies that energy and makes it that much more potent and a beautiful period of time right now for us to be doing these releasing exercises and practices um, when you pair those two together. But what was really interesting is that most people, they look at the cycle of the moons and, and, and here's the thing, you guys, I, I didn't set this at the very beginning. I'm by no means am like a moon specialist. This is not what I, I do. This is not the area that I, I claim to know all of the things. Um, but this is an area that I get excited about because it's fun for me. Like it, it, it ignites the one line. I love to go down the rabbit holes. I love to learn about it, but I'm not somebody who like, like I know certain women, um, that this is where they, they, uh, tailor a lot of their coaching with their clients around moon cycles and all of those things or, um, astrologists and things like that. They really know, um, even more about like this full moon is in, um, uh, it's in Taurus, I think is what I, I had seen when I was doing all my research. Like, I don't know all the characteristics of all of those things. Um, but I like to geek out on it and research it and learn about it and apply it to my current spiritual practices. So I just wanted kind of like a side note of that. Um, but what I do know and what me and Jenny wanted to kind of talk about is how it's not, the cycle isn't from full moon to full moon. It's actually from new moon to new moon. 
Jenny, do you want to expand a little bit about that specifically? Because I know you were like, I really want to make sure that they understand that that that's the actual cycle, not from full moon to full moon. Yeah, I think a lot of people, because the full moon is ever since we're young, that's the one that we pay more attention to, right? Everybody's like, oh, the full moon, the crazies are out in the full moon. Oh, the werewolves are out in the full moon. So we just, um, naturally in society, we know more about the full moon. But when you get into spirituality and spiritual practices, um, you recognize and you learn that it's actually a cycle from new moon to new moon, because the new moon is where we manifest. The new moon is where we're calling in new things. Um, where we are getting clear about our goals and our um, our connection and, and, and seeking assistance from the divine and really um, setting out those goals, intentions, and manifestations. And then uh, that's new beginnings, right? That's the new moon. There's nothing. It's a clean slate, clear slate. And then the full moon is, you know, roughly two weeks later and that is when we reevaluate that what what we were what we set what is in our what is blocking our success to those things that we are, are acquire or trying to require, acquire manifest things like that what can we release that is no longer serving us to reach those goals and then you come back to the new moon um two weeks after that release it's kind of like a reassessment right mm -hmm. um and so though the full moon is powerful we actually don't think of the cycles from full moon to full moon we think of the cycles from new moon to new moon from manifestation to manifestation and then yeah. the, the, the reevaluation and release in the center. And there's phases all in between you guys, between oh. full moon to new moon. And that's where I'm saying, like, if this kind of conversation is starting to light you up and it doesn't need to light, you don't need to be a one line to get lit up by a conversation. Want to go learn all the things. Okay. Any, that this doesn't mean that you don't want to go geek out on stuff. It's just mean that a one line for us, like this is really an area that we shine and we get really excited about to go geek out on and learn, 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 learn. Um, Something so just quick. I, I, I don't, I don't think I sent it to you, but, um, I'm reminding myself now, so I will go find it, but I actually just came across something just the other day and I did save it. So whatever. Um, but it talks about even which moon you were born under, whether it's like a waning, oh. waxing, um, full new things like that. Kind of so, like when you talked about the Mercury retrograde, if, yeah. if you were born during a retrograde, which retrogrades you were born under. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That was interesting. So, yeah. uh, we can share that with the audience too. Um, I'll refine it and um, we can share that with our audience as well. Cause that's okay. just interesting. That's just one of those fun little things. It's all fun. It's all fun stuff to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this beautiful, powerful full moon energy. Um, like I said, it's already rare in the sense that you, you add on that. Then we're pairing it with Mercury retrograde energy. There's a little bit of extra oomph that we're getting from the full moon. Right. And then, um, people are talking about like how this is the second moon within a calendar month, meaning that now it's called a blue moon. Um, this, the common misconception is that we think that it's going to look blue, but it's actually not blue per se. It's just the terminology that they give when it's a second moon within a calendar month. And the interesting thing that I learned is actually that there's three different types of blue moons. And I was like, oh, I didn't know this. I thought it was just like a blue moon is 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 one within the calendar, two within a calendar month. So the first moon of the I month, know I know I didn't know this. So the first new or the first full moon of the month was I think it was like on October first, um, and that was called the Hunter's Moon. This moon is called the or no, I'm sorry. This moon is the hunter's moon. The one at the beginning of the month was the harvest moon. And the interesting thing about these three moons is, or these two moons is that they're the two moons that always come right after this, uh, the autumn or fall equinox. And the, so they always go 
it's the equinox, then it goes right into the harvest moon, which you look this kind of stuff up on like Falmer's Almanac and stuff like that. And in ancient times, like this is where they were starting to harvest and reap the harvest and all that kind of stuff with that full moon. And then the second moon following after the harvest moon was the hunter's moon. And this is, they would talk about like a lot of times, this is where they would go out, they get the hunting, they get everything kind of like prepped and ready going into fall, going into winter, all that kind of that jazz. And the harvest moon, it, you can, or the, sorry, I keep saying harvest, hunter's moon um, can sometimes even when you look back, like, I don't even know how far back, but it'd be way back in time. Um, what, sometimes they would even call it the blood moon because the hunter's moon, you got to figure they're going out, they're hunting, they're collecting all of that. And so it was like the blood of their kills of all the things that they had hunted. So that's different than you probably have heard of blood moons as a different kind of blood moon. That That's just, it's a different way that they used to refer to it. But in term of the actual blue moon, so this is where, unfortunately, you guys, this is where it deflated my one line a little bit because I was like, oh my God, there's three. Oh, and I got really excited. And then I got deflated in the middle of it. Okay, so the three types of blue moons you have is called a seasonal blue moon. And this uh, referred to um, way back when, when they looked at everything as the seasons, right? We have, you know, the spring, the fall, the winter, and the summer. And so if you had more than three moons within a season, that fourth moon, full moon, was considered the blue moon within that season. Then you had the calendarical, calendarical, hopefully that's how you pronounce it. Once again, I'm not really good with big words and spelling times, okay? Those, that's what this one is being considered because it's two full moons within a calendar month. Now, here's the thing about a calendar. That's a, that was a human-made concept is the calendar. So we were applying human-made concepts to time versus like the seasons, right? And versus what it's going to be the third one, which is an astrological blue moon, which means that you have two blue moons within an actual astrological sign. So like how we're saying like we're in a full moon of Taurus, if we were to have another full moon within Taurus, that would be a now a, a, another considered a blue moon because it's in within a solar month is actually what they call it. And so here's the differentiation between a calendar two month or a blue moon month versus an astrological. And this is where I got deflated. Is that actually the calendar blue month is not necessarily, it, there's no real extra potency to it. There's no actual like extra like oomph because me, me and Jenny were like, oh my God, it's the second blue moon. It's the you know, second moon of the month and we got really excited. There's no real extra oomph from that. Um, where you're getting that extra oomph from the, the blue moon is if it's an astrological blue moon because then you're basically doubling down on that energy within the astrological sign within the solar month that it's in. So that's where it's going to get magnified. And the next time we're going to actually have that is, I believe, oh, I didn't write it down. Why didn't I write it down? Why would I not do that? So I'm burying it off of memory. Um, it's going to be in the sign of Leo next year. We're going to have a blue moon during um, the Leo. So it's going to magnify the Leo. So that's where learning more about all the astrological kind of like how the, the full moons play within the astro signs and the, how that can magnify versus also for you, like where you have um, all your planets within your house, all that kind of stuff, right? That's where you can go really super deep and go down many, many, many rabbit holes. 
but that doesn't mean that this blue moon still isn't as rare and as powerful because like I said, Jenny's going to share with you kind of like some things that just Halloween in general, like what makes this day a potent, um, just energe energetically charged day anyways. So the other really cool thing about this moon that I didn't know, it's called a micro moon. It's a little baby moon. And I never even, I didn't even think about this. I was like, I never even heard, you don't hear much about micro moons. And so a micro moon is basically the smallest moon out of all of the moons in the calendar year. So you hear a lot about the super moon, which is obviously the opposite of a micro moon. The super moon is when it's closer to the earth. And the micro moon is when the moon is at its farthest point away from the earth in comparison to all the other moon cycles um, of the year. And so we hear a lot about supermoons and we get it because as closer the, the moon gets to the earth, we're going to feel more of that, that supercharged energy. A micromoon's a little bit further away. It's not going to change usually so much in size. Um, like when you're looking at it, like I said, it's not going to maybe look really blue or it's not going to look like tiny micro small. This is just like interesting factoids that I was learning that I was like, oh, I didn't know about any of these things. Um, now, a full moon on Halloween is like a super fucking rare occasion. It only happens every like 18 to 19 years. And actually the last time that we even had it where they were saying like we saw it within all four time zones within the United States was like 1944. Like we were actually, everybody was actually even able to see it across all of the United States. So this is a, the first time we across all of four time zones are actually even going to be able to see the full moon on a Halloween since 1944. And the next awesome. time we're even, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's cool. And then the next time we're even going to have a full moon on Halloween is going to be 2039. Wow. So it's, it's super freaking rare. And blue moons in general, the, the calendar one the one that it's within two within a calendar year, those only happen every two to three years. So it is a rare moon. There is a lot of potency to it. I just got deflated when I was thinking, oh, it's going to be like this super spiritually charged motherfucker. And then I was like, oh no, because we are human concepts try to apply things to time. Now it's not as a charge as I was hoping it was going to be. <laughs> time is a constraint. <laughs> But that's all of the, the, the wild trails I went down when it came to the full moon. I'm trying to look at my notes and see, like, was there anything else that I missed? No. So now we get to roll into Halloween and how pairing this beautiful full moon's energy with Halloween. It's going to be so fucking good. Yes, 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 yes. Well, that was so cool and awesome. Thank you for all of that wonderful moon knowledge. Um. Okay, so let's dive into the history of Halloween, the history of trick-or-treating. Um, I'm so excited. Like, yesterday, Blair and I were talking, and we're like, which, you know, we have a, a, a running list of topics that we want to talk with you guys about, but we really are always like, well, what do we think they want to hear? And then all of us, I was just like, let's talk about the history of Halloween. It'll be so fun. <laughs> and so that's where we're at. Um, so the history of Halloween um, is a little bit muddled because it really does uh, stem from a lot of different cultures um, and different ethnic backgrounds. Kind of once, uh, once the there was more kind of merging of these communities through colonization and um, and things like that is how we kind of got to modern day Halloween. So. Um, 
if you're in the spiritual community or the witchy community or whatever, you've probably seen um, around this time the phrase uh, Sawin. Now, you might not know that you saw the phrase Sawin because <laughs> it does not look anything like it's pronounced. No, Even it doesn't. And like right after we had the conversation, I hopped on Instagram and like it was immediately right there. And I feel like the only reason I knew how to pronounce it was because you told me that. And I was like, oh, that's that. <laughs> yes. Um, and so you've probably come across it, whether you know it or not, it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. It looks like Samhain, but it's Sawin. Um, and, uh, that is just something I felt like I needed to point out because even when I'm reading it, like I still read it. My brain just naturally reads it as Sam, Sam Hain, even though I know better. I've known and I've studied this, you know, um, for a while now, but I still, so um, if you catch me accidentally saying it wrong, just laugh at me. And that's totally fine because that means I was probably reading my notes. Um, and so, yeah, anyways, so Samhain is an ancient Celtic um, tradition. And as Blair was sharing about this moon and it being right after the harvest moon, the hunter's moon, um, it celebrates the end of summer. And it being the end of summer, you are um, giving gratitude for the bounty of the harvest, but you're also preparing for the cold and the dark um, of the winter. Cause you gotta think that the Celts, um, this is uh, the ancient Celts were like um, England, Ireland, France, like th that kind of area over there. And so they did have, um, there was like longer and harder um, winters. And so they would have this celebration, this festival, and this would um, be bonfires and dressing in costumes. And they truly believe that the veil is thin on that night. Um, their new year starts on November 1st. Can you explain really quickly though, what that term means, the veil is really thin? Because I hear, I get asked that a lot. Like, what does that fucking mean when people say that? Um, it just means that the the world of the living and the world of the dead, whether you view that as the actual dead, like our ancestors or the divine angels, whatever it is, that it's blurred, it's thinned. We can act, they have access to us, easier access, and we have easier access to them as well. So to help you understand it better, when you think of the word, the a me, somebody's a medium, like a psychic medium or intuitive medium or whatever, that word medium um, comes from meeting in the middle. And so we, if you want to commune with the divine, you have to raise your vibrations higher, but the spirit world has to lower their vibrations to meet with humans. And so that is meeting in the middle, the medium. And so what we say when we say the veil is thin or the veil is lifted, it means it's easier for us to raise our vibrations and easier for them to lower theirs so we can meet in that medium, meet in that middle. So our, it's easier to make a connection to our deceased ancestors. It's easier to connect to your divine team, less effort. Um, because as like the term says, the veil is thin. So it's imagine like if anything is thick when it's thin, it's easier to penetrate, right? It's easier to get through. So it's just that the lines are blurred or you hear the, the veil is lifted, which means it's actually clear passage. Um, so that's kind of what that means. Yeah. Or so, I've even heard it with terms of like the five dimensional worlds, you know, um, and you could even like, if it wigs you out a little bit, you're like, oh my God, the, the, between me and like, I, I feel when, when people hear like death or our loved ones on the other side, they go into like, they think like dark energies, which yes, we can be more exposed to maybe like a darker energies, but this can just even be like what Jenny was, I feel like really trying to highlight is those 
lighter energies and love energies. And like you're saying, like divine, like connecting to the creator to source that much more potently. Hence why uh, a full moon ritual on a, on Halloween when the veil is so thin, right? Like, so when we're obviously we're probably going to, I'm probably jumping ahead, but I just wanted to stop you there because I feel like I hear that so often and there's misconceptions. They don't understand what veil means. Yeah, exactly. It can be um, interdimensional. Again, topic for another day. Um, it can be with our spiritual world that can exist in this plane and this reality with us. Uh, lots of things that it can mean. It basically just means that our access to the other side and their access to us is easier. Um, that doesn't mean they're here to get us. It just means if you want to use that energy and that power to connect with them in that way, that, that it, it's just easier. By the way, it was 11-11. So anyways, um, Little side note. Now you guys know when we were recording, you're welcome. Um, so, and I'm wearing my 1111 somewhere shirt. I was going to say, <laughs> you got your shirt on. Here. It's this literally 1111 now. <laughs> and somewhere is here. It's 1111. <laughs> right here, right now. Um, okay. So anyway, so um, they, in their tradition, November 1st was the start of their new year on the, in their calendar. Um, and so, um, October 31st, this Samhain festival was all about that, like I said, mentioned earlier, um, the gathering together, the thanking for the harvest, the preparing, and they did wear costumes. The costumes were more like um, animal furs and things like that at the time. And they'd have these big bonfires. And because the veil was believed to be thin, the Druids, which are the Celtic priests, would actually um, go into a kind of ceremony. They build this sacred bonfire for the town, the village, whatever. And they would go and they would um, have prophecies. And these prophecies meant a lot to the people. And these prophecies was what they, they would hold on to to get them through these kind of winter months. And what the people would do is before they would go to these Samhain festivals, they would put the fire out in their hearth, their heart. If there was, if they had one going in their fireplace, they would make sure they put it out. And what they did, I think this is a beautiful tradition. And to this day, if you're celebrating Samhain, one of the things you can do is have a bonfire in your backyard or light your fireplace, and this is where it comes from. The people, the villagers, the Celtics, they would then take a portion of the bonfire, like lighting a torch or something like that, from that sacred bonfire that the Druids built, that the Druid priests built, and they would take that back into their home and light their fireplace, their hearth with that, the protection from the sacred fire, the sacred bonfire that the community shared. And so they would have these prayers, these rituals, this dancing, this sharing, this community, this leaving of offerings and sacrifices. Sometimes um, they would sacrifice some of the harvest as a thank you to the fire. Sometimes they would sacrifice animals, but then they would take this sacred fire back and that fire would be what would light up their home for that winter, which I think is really, really such a cool tradition. And um, I actually light my fireplace um, the last, I have no, no idea how many years for this uh, tradition. And so I, I just kind of love it. It's beautiful. It's simple. It's easy. It's just a recognition of the history in the past and the, the ritual of setting that sacred protection with fire. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool. And then um, from there, you actually had obviously um, colonization throughout that area from like the Roman, uh, I believe it was the Roman Empire. Um, and so with that comes Catholicism and Christianity. And you had um, uh, November 1st was claimed by uh, Pope Gregory III as uh, All, Hall All Saints Day. And so then the day before became All Hallows Eve. And they actually took some of a lot of the Sawen traditions and celebrated All Hallows Eve um, as 
a way to prepare for All Saints Day. And they took on some of these traditions, the costume wearing, the bonfires, um, all these traditions were meant to kind of ward off ghosts, right? So this is where you do start to get some of that negative um, connotation that was built into Halloween. So mm -hmm. it was said to like warn off ward off ghosts not just for the protection and the preparation for the next getting through the winter this was actually actively trying to ward off evil spirits and things like that um then you have where we come over to the americas and that kind of colonization and so when um when colonization first happened in America, a lot of the colonizers were Protestants. And so they wanted nothing to do really with any of the, the kind of, you know, witchier type of stuff. And when I say witchy, it's, you know, um, I say that with all due respect because I respect the craft. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I feel like that's a whole conversation in and of itself too, is like yes, talking is. about witch history. Yes. Yeah, and what it means to be a witch and all those things. That's definitely a podcast that we can do, and I would absolutely love that. Um, but anyways, so um, they didn't, the, the Protestants, they didn't really uh, bring a lot of the Samhain or All Hallows um, traditions with them. But as more cultures from Europe, um, different European ethnic groups, and as well as the Native Americans, they had their own um, practices and rituals in regards to this time of year and everything too. Um, that's kind of when you start to see modern Halloween emerge. It got air quotes up, modern Halloween. Um, but um, the colonial rise of cultural mixes really did influence that. And so then we kind of talk about um, how we merge into like the traditions of like Halloween and what we actually practice today. I'm sorry, trick-or-treating. I apologize. Um, so trick-or-treating. And so the trick-or-treating actually dates back to um, the Celtic, um, the Celtic, um, Irish, and English ways as well. So you have these things that they used to do that was called souling. And souling happened in um, England around the ninth century. And souling would be poorer people going um, to wealthier people's homes, and they would receive from them what they called soul cakes, little pastries that were called soul cakes. And these soul cakes were given to these, um, you know, poorer people um, in gratitude for or in exchange for prayer for the wealthier people's, people's deceased relatives. Mm. So I will, you come to my door as a poorer person, as a wealthy person, I will give you soul cakes and in return, you will go pray for my dead relatives. And that was something that was very important at the time is that you had continued prayer for your past relatives and your ancestors and things like that. So they were basically- Which that kind of goes back to like when I think, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt it. Like oh, you're that's fine. because my knowledge of certain things is, like I said, like I don't know all the things and all the things, but that, that goes even like in that tradition, right? Like lighting the candle that they always do, right? Like within church, like they're lighting the candle for their, their loved ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's that, that extra prayer that they're yeah, doing exactly. and sending for them. And that's so interesting. Yeah. And so in England, it was called souling. And there's actually a term for it. You know, we say like, I'm going to go trick or treating. It was going a souling. <laughs> and so oh my God, that's so funny. I'm going to tell Landon that we're going to go a souling. Go a souling. It reminds me, I don't know if you remember this from like Christmas, like old timey Christmas. Like, here we go, a wassling. Like <laughs> I that song when I was little. And that's what it reminded me of, like a souling. And so, um, and that was all people would do that at first, but then over time it became a children's thing. So mm. the children would go offer their prayers for the deceased old people in exchange for, um, food, money or ale even. Um, 
They would give and them beer? Ale. Yeah, we'll just call it ale. Like, yeah, whatever that looked like back in the ninth, ninth, ninth or ninth century. Okay. So next you're having gathering. your child go knock on someone's door and they come back with like a six pack, of course. I mean, <laughs> Okay, I'd like to say this tradition is still alive because last year when we went trick-or-treating, there was quite a few adult beverage stations set up at people's houses. So that is the nice new thing that you're seeing. It was like more and more adults are like, if we are going to go doing this, yes. alcohol in hand. <laughs> and so what we're going to say, we're just going to say that is a homage to the old tradition of a souling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to practice Halloween to its truest tradition, y'all. <laughs> Making it back to the Celts, y'all. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Like, moving forward, we'll just, anybody who has that, like, any alcohol, pr alcoholic provisions outside, I'm just going to be like, oh my gosh, you're practicing the ancient, like, ancient tradition of a souling. Can I pray for your dead relatives? And just watch <laughs> They're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? I'm just going to be like, oh my God, I can't take you anywhere. You're getting weirder and weirder every day. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Um, so then a similar tradition actually happened in, um, in Scotland. Not surprising. I mean, England, Scotland, very close. Um, in that tradition, they called it guising, like the word disguising, but it was called guising. And in that one, instead of offering prayers for somebody, it was almost more like a performance. So they'd go knock on a door in a costume and they would perform some little trick or some little like dance or limerick or poem or whatever. And um, from that, they would receive fruit, nuts or coins or whatever. And so that was a different version. And that when you think of like the term trick or treat, that makes sense, right? Although they were doing both. They were giving a little trick and getting a treat. Um, and this is interesting because a lot of people are actually familiar with this. And so now we're jumping ahead a few hundred years. And how um, Guy Fawkes, if anybody out there listening is familiar with Guy Fawkes, remember, remember the 5th of November. Um, Guy Fawkes, uh, he tried to blow up Parliament um, back in, I want to say the 1600s. I want to say 1605. And if I'm right, I'm going to just pat myself on the back. Um, but he tried to uh, blow up Parliament. And it's a huge thing. I've actually been in England before for a Guy Fawkes night, which is super amazing. And so again, they have these huge bonfires to celebrate this. And it's a reminder to the English government that like, hey, we the people, we still actually hold the power, not you guys. And so they celebrate it every 5th of November. And what another thing that kind of came from that, along with the bonfires that kind of came back from Sawin, was um, kids in the streets would beg a penny for the guy, like the term, a penny for the guy, and they would get money. And even though that is a few days after it, it still kind of embodies some of that trick-or-treating uh, mentality. They have the bonfire and then the kids in the streets kind of, you know, asking for, asking for money for this, you know, imaginary, well, he wasn't imaginary, but at the time he was no longer around. Um, so you have that. Then we come back to America and more modern, um, trick-or-treating and so as I was saying you have this 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 um bring what am I trying to say I keep doing this with my hands <laughs> this bringing together of all these different ethnic cultures and and people who held on to these uh Sawin traditions people who have of these English Scottish traditions so uh and Irish traditions the Irish and the Scottish are actually um uh con uh I'm losing my words, I'm so sorry. Uh, contributed, that's not the word I'm looking for, <laughs> um, to bringing the modern trick-or-treating to America. And the reason this is, is they used to have these community parties. So these community parties would happen um, 
before modern trick-or-treating and it was actually a way to try and get the communities um thinking happy thoughts and getting away from as you were mentioning blair the kind of darkness that people would associate with halloween around these times because it is the thinning of the veil it is celebrating the the closeness to the other side whether it's ghosts deceased dead ones uh angels devils whatever it might be and so they're like oh let's have community parties let's just like each community has its own little you know get together fun times whatever so you'd have these community parties that would be happening um, and they'd have parades, they'd have things like this. And it was very much like some of these other holidays that we, that we see. Um, but then in the early 1900s, uh, there really was this shift to the pranking aspect of it and the violence and things like that. And you would really see this um, as a time that people didn't enjoy and certain cities would threaten to ban or ban um, all Halloween activities because it was really seen as a negative thing at that point. Um, and so then during uh, the 1930s, you kind of things got um, a lot smaller, I guess you could say in regards to Halloween, they were really small community things um, because they had started getting banned. So the popularity rose and then it kind of went away and then it started to rise again right when World War II hit and the candy and the trick-or-treating had just started getting popularized within these smaller communities and the sugar rationing of, the, of World War II kind of put an end to that. So then you went back to more of these community style parties, but then as soon as the rations were over, the candy company saw their opportunity, they jumped in and they fully supported these community festivals and the trick-or-treating that ensued by going house to house. And they figured if they could have this community-driven trick-or-treating house to house to house going like that. It involved the entire community as a whole, and they wouldn't be out there pranking and being vandals and being violent. And that right there is the history of Halloween <laughs> and trick-or-treating. And I, I almost want to be like, and right there at the end becomes the over-commercialized <laughs> yes, <exactly>. profiting <laughs> of Halloween. <laughs> yes. And um, credited was the word that I was looking for. The Irish and the Scottish are credited, credited. Yeah. with modern um, Halloween, um, the modern Halloween movement as, as we know it here in America. And it's still not popular like it is in America and other countries. Um, you know, like these countries that have these like strong Samhain roots and things like that, they have a version of Halloween, but it's not like ours. Like even in countries that we see as um, quote unquote peers or whatever, you know, like in England, trick-or-treating is not really a thing. It's not, not like it is here, um, you know, and so it's really an American kind of phenomenon. Actually, I don't know. Do you know, is, is Halloween big in Canada? I do not yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they, yeah, they do, they do Halloween. I don't know if it's as big as us. I, know. I don't know if it's as big as, but I'm interested. If you are a Canadian listener, I know we have I have, well, I'll just ask my, so I, I think, you, it, so you guys know this, like Jenny asked me because like um, Kyle's stepdad is Canadian. And mm -hmm. so, and we go up to Canada a lot because they have a second home up there. So we're usually always in Canada for the new year because we go up there the day after Christmas and we're up there for like over a week um, skiing and, and all the things, um, Canada, love Canada. I feel like they are. I mean, I don't know at the level of which we do things with Halloween. I never really thought about that. I guess I never even, it wasn't a question in my head. I just kind of thought that it was a thing. Um, 
But what I think is interesting though, is like, I love that you just kind of brought us all through the history of like where everything, cause I love learning all that kind of stuff. Like how did things start and how did things like turn and how did these things become? And I feel like the one thing I, I see a lot of times is that narrative around like the witchy aspect of Halloween and things like that. And, um, I think it's, like I said, we need to have a conversation around witches in general, like the history within that. Um, and you guys can message us if you are like, oh my God, yes, I have tons of questions, throw us questions, whatever. And we can get together, um, a podcast specifically around that. Cause I think it's, there's a whole other conversation we had. Yeah, absolutely. It's really funny. Cause like, you know, you know me and you know, I'm all about rituals and things like that. And you and I, I always say like action plus, plus intention equal, that's where the magic is. And I didn't, I didn't invent that. That's a saying action plus intention equals magic. And anybody who believes in that, you know, um, there's other things that technically make you a witch, but you know, I have a lot of very witchy friends and, and I'll say things, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a witch. And like, you know, I do rituals and I do this, but I wouldn't consider myself a witch because I have such respect for the practice. And every single one of them, I say things like that too. They're just like, well, do you do this? Is this you? And like, you're a freaking witch. And I'm like, fine, I'm a fucking witch. Fine. I'll, I'll embrace <laughs> it. I'll embrace it. But, but because of that, you know, me, it's not a fear of the word. Me, it's a deep respect for the practice and for the craft that I will sometimes say I'm not a witch. Other times I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, I, I embrace that um, and what it means to be that. So I would love to further that conversation. I mean, I can think of like 10,000 people we could have on to have that. I know, right. We can talk about that later. Oh, um, yeah. So of, of witchcraft and, and um, you kind of merging that into the rituals before we get into the ritual that Blair's going to guide us through. Mm -hmm. um, I had a couple uh, like a little funny thing that I didn't know when I was like re uh, re researching some of this stuff that I did know. And I wanted to share that with you. And then I'm going to give you a couple quick rituals that you can do to honor Samhain if you are so inclined. And then Blair's actually going to lead us through a ritual. Uh, we're going to talk about some full moon rituals as well. So something that was also really attached to Samhain and All Hallows Eve and all these different um, traditions over time was uh, a woman finding her husband. And some of these rituals are just too good not to share. So um, one of the things that would happen is these, these maidens uh, had all these different options or ways that they could go about, you know, finding their husband. And one of them would be if there was a matchmaker, she would like host a meal and she would put a ring in the mashed potatoes. And whoever got the ring in their mashed potatoes was going to be the next one wed. So that was, that was one thing. Um, a woman could um, write the names of her suitors or her potential suitors. This one just reminds me of like playing mash when I was little, but you write the names of your potential suitors on hazelnuts and you throw the hazelnuts. I mean, what, how great, right? You just write the names of your crushes. <laughs> you throw them in the fire and whichever one, instead of like popping, but actually burns and dis disintegrates into ashes, that's going to be your husband. Now, some <laughs> right now some cultures it was the flip side it was if it burned and disintegrated that meant that wasn't the one for you so i mean make sure you check your local boundaries just so you're not reading those nuts wrong <laughs> check check your culture <laughs> oh my gosh that could be really bad <laughs> you live on this side of town and the burned up <laughs> you live on the other side of town and that's the one to avoid so let's just get our boundaries straight so we ain't picking the wrong 
wrong fellas, right? Um, another one is a young woman could um, eat a sweet little treat that consisted of walnuts, hazelnuts, and nutmeg, and she would dream of her future husband. And if oh. she dreamt of him, then she could go find him the next day, right? Um, another thing that they would do is they would peel apples, similar to the way you peel potatoes, but as they're peeling the apples, they'd throw the scraps over their shoulder, and in hopes that when they turned around, the scraps spelled out the name of their future husband. What? That one's the weirdest one yet. I'm like, are you kidding? By weirdest, you mean best. <laughs> Go get me some motherfucking apples, bitches. <laughs> I'm good, literally, this is... I'm telling you guys, this is what you're going to see me doing on Halloween. I'm going to be like, I'm going to see if this motherfucker spells Kyle. Yeah, does this spell Kyle? <laughs> that shit don't spell Kyle. It spells Kira I don't know what that says. Maybe mine will spell Kyle. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you're spelled Kyle, that would make sense. Because you that literally are fun. like. That would make so much sense. Sister wife for life. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, the other thing is they would go into, um, into dark rooms or, or they would go look in a mirror in a dark room. And it was said that if they looked, they could see their husband's face in the reflection over their shoulder. That's creepy as fuck. I literally <laughs> avoided doing that kind of shit when I was little. So I don't know. Wait, that's why the I'll game that you don't want to do as a child. <laughs> So all of a sudden you come to marrying age and like, um, Bloody Mary, I killed your baby is no longer scary. Like, I don't know, saying Candyman three times is no longer scary because you have marrying age. Fuck that. I am 39 years old. I am not doing that shit in the mirror ever. But hey, if you're desperate and you need a husband, go look into a dark <laughs> He will appear over your left shoulder. Let's hope it's your husband. The veil is thin, bitches. The veil is thin. <laughs> anyways all i'm envisioning right now is on halloween just like single ladies it's gonna be hazelnuts yes. apples looking in mirrors just like hazelnuts eating them the hazelnuts like peeling them apples but hey don't peel all those apples because another tradition to find your mate was bobbing for apples, which is still a tradition today. Yeah. How so about them said, apples? <laughs> it was said that the maiden who bobbed for apples the mm. fastest would be the next to marry. So, um, this sounds a this little sounds suggestive. A little sexual, exactly my thoughts. Yeah. I'm so oh my God, were the men watching this? Yeah, are the men watching this? Are they seeing? Because actually though, maybe they'd want the one who took the longest because that meant she could hold her breath the longest. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Hi, oh my name my is God. I'll be here all night. <laughs> you know, this, okay, side note, this reminds me of something that Kyle said to me. <laughs> okay, this is going to go a whole nother level, you guys, right now. <laughs> so my husband the other day, for those of you that know my husband, you're like, of course he said this. Um, he was talking to me about something like how some study was done that uh, if you do fellatio, whether it's, you know, man, woman, whatever, whoever's given the oral sex, whoever is giving it is going to lose, they lose weight from it. And I was like, the actual I was like, huh? I go, Kyle, what the f No, I was like, this is, this study had to have been done by a man, is the first thing I said. He goes, no, it was a woman telling it. I was like, well, fucking shit. Don't even. I go, this is literally the story you hear a man go tell his wife, hey, babe, you know, you know, five extra pounds, you know, 
can suck my dick. And I was like, this is bullshit. Like, I go, where did you hear this? I go, did you hear this from TikTok? And he's like, maybe. I was like, I swear, my husband is a walking, talking TikTok right now. Everything he hears, it's from TikTok. It's like, babe, just because you saw it on TikTok does not mean that's real. Does not mean it's true. Like, so I'm sorry. We had to go there. He does not, he does not seem like a TikTok dude at all. Oh, he wasn't though. He wasn't. He was like, I'm not going to fucking watch TikTok. Watch people dance all the time. And then Carter was like, no, it's not about dancing. There's like all this other funny stuff that it does. So now, I mean, he's on there. His favorite thing to do is, he, you know, he, he likes seeing like crafts and stuff because he's super, he likes to tinker. So he likes watching people that are showing like DIY stuff for like dudes, right? Or things to do in the shop, like in cars and all that kind of stuff. But then he's always watching like these stupid fucking things with like all the animal ones and he's just laughing <laughs> his ass off and then stupid little things like this. Um, I mean, shit, the other day he, I asked him, I could get you a coffee at Starbucks. Okay, another quick story. And then I swear to God, we're going to get back to where we're going. Um, <laughs> I am at Target and I was like, Hey, do you want me to pick you up a coffee from Starbucks? He's like, yes. Send, I was like, send me what you want. He sends this description of this thing. And the lady was like, Oh, I know what that is. Oh God, So many people have been coming in and ordering this thing. I was like, Oh really? She goes, yeah. I mean, you know, something goes on TikTok, and then everybody's going to, and I was like, God damn it. I was like, of course he fucking saw it on TikTok, And now that's the drink he wants. So I bring it home. I'm like, here's your fucking TikTok coffee. And he's drinking. He's like, Oh, this is delicious. I mean, it looks so good on TikTok." I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. And we should probably just rename the show Spiritually Intimate Tangents because yeah. that, <laughs> and that what's going to keep happening. So um, oh. I digress. Uh, we're moving on and I'm going to tease Kyle for that after we are done recording this. I'm and he won't even care. How his TikTok coffee was. Um, but so I know I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm teasing some of these rituals and stuff, but I do just want to state that Blair and I really do have uh, lots of respect for rituals and for um, things like that. But some of these, they just sound silly in modern time, right? But I bet if Blair and I were uh, 10, 15 years younger than we are and single, we'd be peeling them motherfucking apples and uh, throwing those hazelnuts in the fire. Just saying. I probably um, would have been. Um, but I really did think the bobbing for Apple one was interesting besides the sexual undertone, um, <laughs> because that's something I love anytime we see things that are still in practice today. Right. Yeah. And so that is so cool that, you know, bobbing for apples is still uh, very much like a Halloween fall type of thing. Um, so then if you were interested in kind of celebrating Samhain, um, or, you know, a different kind of version of Halloween and you are somebody who. Uh, creates altars or anything like that, then um, I wanted to give you guys some quick ideas for uh, Samhain rituals, just just two, and then we'll move on to full moon rituals. Um, but you can create a, a Samhain um, altar, and some of the things that you could put on your altar is uh, skulls, ghosts, skeletons, um, harvest food like pumpkin squash or any of the root vegetables, um, nuts and berries or dark breads, like I believe rye and pumpernickel are considered dark breads. Yes. Um, leaves and acorns. <laughs> um, the, also the concept of the cornucopia, which we, we tend to celebrate more uh, around Thanksgiving, but that's also a Samhain um, tradition is that cornucopia gathering what has been harvested and offering it as an, an offering. Um, and then you can also add wine, mead, or mulled cider um, to your altar as well. 
So that's really cool. Another thing that you can do, and we will, I'm going to say the prayer right now or the, um, incantation, whatever, invocation, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we'll put it in the show notes as well. So you don't have to go back and, you know, listen to it being read or whatever. Um, but basically you just want to get one of those, um, they're called, sometimes they're called three day, but seven day candles. And those are just those tall, long ones that you can even get, um, right at, um, like the dollar store or even grocery stores will have them on the end caps. And so, um, you're just going to light that candle put it in your window on Halloween, on Halloween evening, and you just are going to say- Safely, um, motherfuckers. Do not burn your house down. Yes, safely. Safely. (laughs) Um, So you're going to put it in a window, and it's basically to guide the dead to the spirit world. And you're going to say, oh, little flame that burns so bright, be a beacon on this night. Let the path for all the, light the path for all the dead that they may see now what's ahead and lead them to the summer land and shine until pan takes their hands and with your light please bring them peace that they may rest and sleep with ease so that's just a little nice little ritual so we'll put that little um prayer invocation whatever you want to call it into the show notes um and just so you guys are aware if you don't know it says until pan takes your hand pan is actually the guardian of summertime and so um, it's just kind of easing you through the cold winters um, and guiding those souls back into um, into the spirit world. So those are a couple of Sawen rituals that I wanted to share with you guys. And um, yeah, and now we're going to talk about some uh, full moon rituals. All right. So full moon rituals, you guys, here's, okay. So first I want to preface this with, with everything that you want to whether it's a a ritual, a practice, um, whatever it is, um, it's first really just checking into with you and divine energy and checking in with, does this feel correct for me? Does, is this what I, I, I feel like doing? Like there's months that I don't do a full moon ritual. It just doesn't feel like for whatever reason for me, it just, I'm not vibing with it. Yeah. And so it's always checking in first with you and your creator, universe, source, God, whatever. It's just, it's checking in. Does, is this feeling in alignment for me? Is this feel good for me right now? Does this doing this ritual feel good for me? And anything that I, even I share uh, within this ritual, it's all about choosing what feels right for you and using your own level of discernment to be like, is this what I want to do? So I feel like that's a lot of times that I see people, they get so fucking stuck in trying to do exactly what other people are doing because they either they've put them on a pedestal and think that they know more than them or they're smarter than them or they're more spiritually um like more spiritual than them and are more successful than them um and they they just want to emulate them so much that they're willing to basically go and do everything that that person is doing and they've completely disengaged with their own um, voice with their own intuition and their own connection with source and what is actually correct for them. So I really want to preface this that when, before I give you, um, like a step-by-step of something that I would do for a ritual, um, because it, if none of it, if, if none of it feels right for you, cool, then do none of it. Do what you intuitively feel called to do. If all of it feels fucking rad, cool. 
if at any point you're doing a ritual and you're in the process of doing it and something isn't feeling right, just click in and be like, I don't have to do it. You're not going to ever do anything wrong is the key thing here. There's no wrong way of doing your ritual as long as you're following ultimately what feels right for you and you and your connection to source and what you're being led to do. So with that being said, a full moon ritual that I love um, and that when I really go into it and want to really, you know, get excited about my full moon ritual and do like a really big one is the first thing I'm going to really do is be setting a sacred space. And what that can look like is simply me just finding somewhere comfortable within the house. Maybe it's sitting in bed. Maybe it's sitting by the fireplace. Maybe it's um, sitting on my mandala rug. Maybe it's um, just hopping outside and doing a full moon ritual outside. It's just finding wherever feels the most energetically good for me. And then I set the space with things that, again, feel correct for me and the sacredity. So sometimes I'm going to create an altar um, and I'm going to have candles on there. I'm going to have my journal. I'm going to have flowers. I'm going to have oils and incense diffusing. I'm going to have... Um, maybe a blanket or a pillow or colors that are, um, I'm resonating with at that time. Like, uh, sometimes when I'm really focusing on my root chakra and really, I, I, I pull in a lot of reds into, um, maybe, uh, my sacred space or, you know, whatever you, you're feeling called to do. Um, and that's just, I'm just creating the space for myself before I go intentionally into the ritual. I think that's like kind of the other thing too, is like I'm intentionally setting the space to really anchor and harness the energy of the ritual with me. And so I'm also going to be laying kind of like, that's where I kind of call in for like uh, a cleansing and grounding and kind of protection. Um, around me. So maybe that's calling in my divine team. Maybe that's just calling in God's love, maybe the, uh, setting a prayer um, and just um, kind of locking in the energy for the space. And then this is where I'm going to go into maybe like some journaling, um, some meditating, some visualization. Maybe you could just be doing breath work at that time. Um, if I'm sitting outside, this is also a time that I would just kind of intentionally be um, connecting my energy to the moon's energy and just kind of like, I call it, uh, they call it moon bathing. And so you literally are just sitting under the moon's um, light and just literally soaking up that energy and kind of like locking in that energy between you and the moon. And let's just also say this, that you don't have to see the moon for you to still be receiving the energy from the moon. So even if it's like cloudy out or like wherever your house is sitting, you're like, I've got to go sit somewhere outside where I can see the moon. Like it doesn't matter. Like you're still getting the energy from the moon, even if you're not seeing it directly on top of you. Um, I'm also going to be taking all my crystals outside. Sometimes I don't take all of them. Sometimes it's just the ones that I've been heavily working with. Like um, I always have this selenite palm stone that um, I actually, we got from Fractalista that put um, our logo for Spiritually Intimate is, is etched in it. And I'm going to put her information down below as well because she does um, some really beautiful pieces with selenite and she etches things into them. They're really, really pretty. Um, and so I usually always have this one on me and I'm always working with it. Like I'm literally holding it right now while I'm doing a podcast or when I was, when I'm working with clients or sometimes when I'm doing an energy healing, like this gets worked a lot. So this one definitely usually always goes out every single full moon. Um, 
but sometimes um, I, I'm going to take all my stuff outside. Sometimes it's only select pieces, but I'm going to sit them outside and charge them overnight uh, with the new moon. And this is really about clearing and purifying and um, especially those, the ones that you've been working a lot with to just kind of like recharge them and cleanse them so that you can continue um, using them in practice, setting intentions with them and um, what I was looking for. I completely lost it. You're just, you're basically just releasing any of the energies that you have been, um, it's been collecting over the last like month or so. Um, I will also do a burn and release kind of mini ceremony. This is usually when I've been doing the journaling. I'm journaling on things that maybe I'm going to be releasing, things I'm letting go of, things I'm kind of surrendering over to, to the divine and kind of taking off my shoulders, my energy. And as I write them down, I'm going to then take the piece of paper, I'm going to burn it. I usually get like a big bowl and I burn it. And I personally like to watch um, all of the fire literally burn up all the paper into ash. And as it's burning, I'm, I'm usually saying something along the lines of like, you know, I release this now or I surrender this over to the divine or I'm letting this all go. Uh, I'm blessing this with love um, and I'm just kind of praying over it. And then I will dump the ashes back into the earth is usually what I'll do. I'll dump it into like the backyard. Sometimes I'll even, um, it'll be sprinkled out and around like where I have all my crystals. And then to finish up, I will usually take like either a full moon bath or I'll do a cleansing shower. And just kind of like cleanse my energy. And again, this is all about intention. Within the full moon bath or within the full moon shower, I'm really, I'm focusing on cleansing my energy, cleansing my aura, further setting that intention of releasing um, these things that no longer serve me. So kind of like what Jenny was saying, like obviously a new moon is all about uh, the in, the new intentions and and, and um setting all these new goals and intentions. Whereas I look at the full moon, it's setting the intention to release. It's very, it's releasing everything intentionally um, and letting it and cleansing it all go. Um, and that's basically what I would do for a full moon ritual. Now with the journaling prompts, I wanted to get, give you guys some stuff uh, for some ideas of what you could actually journal on because I know for a lot of people, they're like, I have no idea what to write. Um, I like to be able to free write and I call, um, or I'm just kind of like soul chatting and I'm just kind of letting soul lead the way. And I'm just like, kind of like dumping, but there are times, especially with like full moon rituals, I feel like it can be fun to have something to kind of like kickstart, um, my journaling and have specific things to be writing on. So the first thing, because I'm looking at it from this, the standpoint of the full moon is all about reflecting and releasing and you're even harnessing that right now with the Mercury retrograde with this full moon specifically. So it's going to just take a moment to be reflecting over the last month or so, especially from like the last, from the new moon and just self-reflecting on the new intentions that you've set. Now, if this is the first time you guys are doing a full moon, you're like, what, I didn't set any new intentions with the last new moon. Just think about the goals in general that you have maybe been working towards um, and this can be goals from anything, maybe their personal goals, business goals, financial goals, physical goals, love, relationship goals, 
whatever it is, just like think about the goals that you've been maybe setting for yourself and you're just going to be reflecting on them and you're going to be looking at them. Maybe you could just even journal dump like all the things that you've been kind of working towards and self-reflect on them and feel into them and, and think about what am I holding on to right now that's maybe blocking me from these goals? What are the fears that I maybe I've been holding on to? Um, what are the things that aren't serving me right now that I can see are, are not aligning me to these goals? And really recognizing these are the things that we could be releasing. They could be fear thoughts. They could be patterns. They could be... Um, situations. They could be people. They could be recognizing there's just boundaries that you need to be put in place. You know, that there's certain people that, um, you continue to keep uh, engaging with that are blocking you from certain things, whatever the case may be. Right. So we're just kind of brain dumping. We're just kind of writing all of those things out. Um, but it's really getting back into, but what am I holding on to that does not serve me or block me right now from my highest good, from my greatest good, from these intentions, from these goals. Um, what areas in life feel out of alignment? Maybe are there things that we're doing or, um, that aren't really feeling like they're good for us anymore. Maybe we're going down certain paths like in work or business that we're realizing like the, this is not in alignment with me. What can I release here? Um, what can I forgive myself for? I feel like this is a huge one. Releasing the things that we carry around shame and really forgive ourselves deeply. But then also what can I forgive others for? What are you maybe carrying right now um, that we could release and forgive others in our life? Um, and then I like always closing out with some type of level of just like gratitude, uh, like positive, uh, positive thoughts. So what are positive things that have been coming about over the last month or so, and just self-reflecting on that and just having gratitude for those things and really looking like what has this last period of a month or, or longer has really, um, how has, how things been serving us, helping us, healing us, and just having more gratitude for all of those things. I feel like that's a, a nice way to just like always close out journaling. Jenny, is there anything that you would include? For the journaling? Yeah. Or just in general? In general too. Journaling, general. <laughs> well, there, there was a, um, a couple things that I wanted to touch on, but if you said more about journaling, nope. you can, okay. Um, so Blair, Blair and myself, we create some of these rituals for our embody group and it's really fun when they go and they do them and they come back and they report. So I um, just wanted to share a couple quick rituals with you guys as well, um, that you can do, um, at any time, you know, during the full moon. And one of those would be um, similar to the burning ritual, but you do it on bay leaves. Bay leaves carry such magical properties and characteristics. And so um, something that you can do is you just write what you want to release on a bay leaf and then you burn it. You can burn it in a pan on your stove. You can burn it in a fireplace. If you have a cauldron like I do, um, you can you can do that. And it's just a really easy way. And like Blair said, watching it, watching those words kind of dissipate and burn up on the paper or on the, on the bay leaves is like really important. And, um, and, uh, and effective in releasing that, whether it's an emotion you want to release a block that you want to release and things like that. So bay leaves are so magical. I also encourage you, especially you one lines, you won't have a choice. So once I say this, but I encourage you to go see how magical, um, bay leaves are and all of their different uses within, um, a magic practice or ritual practices and things like that. Another simple thing that, um, you can do is, um, is create moon water. 
and um, creating moon water is is so simple. Um, basically, all you do is you want to clear a container. Uh, mason jars are what I use. Um, and then you're going to put it out overnight. Now, if you are going to be consuming it, make sure it's consumable water, whether that means filtered or tap um, or spring water, um, because, you know, you got to make sure it's clean. Um, but you are charging this. And so if you are going to be consuming it, make sure you have some sort of lid over it. There are clear lids or you can put like a, I don't know, like a saran wrap or something on it just to cover the top so nothing gets in it. And you just leave it out there and just, like Blair said, even for your crystals, even if you can't see the moon, if it has cloud coverage or whatever, it's still going to grab those energies. And then what you can do with the moon water, you can add crystals to it to set an intention. You can add herbs to it if you want to. But then after it's kind of absorbed those energies, um, you will, you can use it for anything. I water my plants with it. You can add a little bit to your bath. You can anoint yourself with it. You can use it in spell casting. Um, you can do all kinds of, you can use it for cleaning. You can add it to your, like your, your favorite cleaner and you can use it for cleaning. Um, there's like the, the possibilities are really endless. Um, but mainly what I use it for I use it to water my plants and I use it in in some ritual work um, and I add it to my bath those are my favorite things to do with it oh and I actually um, when I'm doing I'm not currently doing my morning juices but when I do my morning juices I add a bit to that just little pour a splash in there um, and then you're kind of drinking up the powers of the moon another good option if you are making moon water is to write on uh, to label it what kind of moon water it is because it depends on how much you're creating and, and making but um you're harnessing not just the energy of that moon but um where that moon is positioned so with this current moon it's this current moon is uh, as blair said uh it's in taurus and so that is governed by venus which is the planet of love and so then you can use this if you are um doing rituals or spell casting in the realm of love and um, passion and things like that, you can use that moon water in that kind of spell casting or ritual use. And so uh, you can have the different moon waters there and available to you to kind of help you with whatever your intentions are um, in that in that time. So yeah, moon water is one of my favorite, most simple um, full moon ritual activities. Very little work <laughs> goes into that. Um, you can make it extensive, as I said, like adding herbs um, or or adding um, crystals or things like that. I'll often set crystals outside of it because I do consume it and not all crystals are good to meet with water and not all crystals in water are good for consumption. Um, so I just keep my crystals on the outside of it. You know, um, if I am trying to extra harness the power of whatever uh, the Zodiac it's in, um, I will get some crystals that kind of add to that to amplify it and set it around there. Um, so yeah, you know, those are just two really simple um, things, moon water or just using those, those bay leaves. Um, simple, simple, simple. And I, um, I wanted to backtrack on that because um, I realized I didn't mention, I'm glad that you, you talked about this, that crystals are different crystals respond differently to water and also to sunlight. So just bear that in mind that if you lay your crystals out, and this is again, where I, I recognize, I don't know all the things about crystals but I do know that. So I try to make sure that I get them up out of the earth first thing in the morning. So they're not sitting out in the sun for too long. Or if you have them sitting, um, not outside, you can put them on your windowsill. 
that's totally fine too. Like if you live right now and it's like going to get freezing fucking cold and you don't, you're like, I don't want to put it out in the snow or whatever. You can literally just put it out onto your windowsill and that's totally fine too. Or you know, it's going to be pouring rain and you don't want like um, your crystals to get rained all over that can come in on your windowsill as well. The other thing that I like to charge that I forgot to mention is I like to take all my Oracle decks that I work with and I literally span them out across my windowsills. I don't know if that, like, you know, some people will be like, I don't really know if that does anything. For me, I, it's the intention behind it. I like feeling like I work with my cards so much, whether it's working with me or with my clients or when I'm doing energy healing sessions, I always am bringing in like cards and stuff um, within my energy sessions. And I feel like they get worked so much. It's an extra way for me to just clear them and set that intention to charge them for a new month of healing and work that I'm going to be doing with myself or with my clients. So that's another extra little bonus there. So I've done that before too. And just like we smoke, I smoke clear any deck I get. Yep. And so I've set them out, um, under the new moon or under the full moon as well. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of good stuff, right? In this episode. So fucking good. But there's more. But we're not going to hold you on this call because this call definitely went long. Again, we gave you guys so much good information. But what I wanted to be able to give you guys as a fun little bonus extra is I'm going to be um, creating a full moon meditation for you to pull in to your meditation coming up on Halloween. Um, oh, that's something I didn't even mention. We are already today, while we're recording this, it is the 28th. It's Wednesday, so we're a couple days away. We will start to feel the energy of the full moon starting um, going into tomorrow, Friday. At its height, you feel it on Saturday. And then again, Sunday, Monday, you kind of still kind of feel the effect. So if you can't do your full moon ritual on Saturday on Halloween, you could do it on Friday. You could do it on Sunday. You could even really in theory do it Thursday or Monday. Um, I typically try to do it like the day before or the day after, but I still know people that will say like, you can still harness the energy the two days before the two days after, um, if you're doing it, it's just not, obviously not as potent as on the actual day, but I get it. It's Halloween. We're going to be busy. We're going to have stuff going on. Um, so if you don't have time to do it that day, the other days are well. But like I said, I'm going to create a meditation. It's going to be the episode following this. So you guys can just, so you don't have to go through a whole episode to try to find the meditation. It's going to be the next episode. You can turn it right on and I'm going to walk you through um, getting set into a meditation and walking you through um, a beautiful full moon meditation that I typically will do for my clients. So it's a gift for you guys. Oh my God, let me hit my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually volunteered Blair to start creating a meditation series for you guys. So you really did. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, why don't we do the meditation separate and they can always find it. And then also, why don't you sporadically go on here and give them meditation? So um, apparently I've been told I do a good meditation. <laughs> you done such a good meditation that it in intimidates me from doing public meditation. I do, no. them with I do them with my clients and I've done them in our embodied group, but, um, we'll see how long it takes for me to get comfortable, uh, doing one for the spiritually intimate conversations community. Um, it's not going to be anytime soon. So <laughs> <But> no, Blair, <laughs> 
Blair does beautiful, beautiful meditations. And, and um, if we can create that series for you guys on here, I think that that'd be very beautiful. She has lots of ideas in her head on different meditations that are unique that she wants to um, have as offerings. And so I'm really excited to force her to facilitate that for you guys. <laughs> I would like to say that you lovingly invited this projector to do it. Invited that projector to share her gift. Um, how um, how good her meditations are. They truly are. Truly, truly great meditations. So um, I'm looking forward to to our well, our audience experiencing that from you. I'm excited to offer it for you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we love you guys. As always, if this episode was helpful, if you enjoyed it, if you loved it, obviously, like please share it with your friends and family and over on the socials on the Instagrams tag us. Let us know what your takeaways were. If you have questions, if you have topics, if you have anything that you want us to expand on, just message us over on Instagram. We're in the inbox over there. Loving to chit chat with you guys and get to know you guys and answer any questions over there and continue the conversation over there. We love you guys. Have a wonderful hollows Eve. And to all, all Hallows Eve, all yes. Hallows Eve. I feel like I need one little disclaimer before we end this episode, and that is that I don't typically call women bitches as much as I did in this episode. <laughs> and I was. I didn't even notice it. We were, we were joking about bobbing for apples and stuff oh. like, like the joking part of the conversation was like, "Hey, bitches!" But like, I know, like Blair and I actually both for years now have actively tried to not, you know fall into that like hey bitches kind of um stuff it does still slip out and it happens and it is what it is um but I felt like I needed to preface that that it was all in the joking time um and I am actually something it is something that I'm passionate enough about to kind of put this disclaimer at the end of the episode so if that offended anybody I do apologize um it is something that I recognize uh, yeah I'm just gonna stop there <laughs> we love you guys have a really great full moon <laughs> i hope this was helpful all right bye you guys bye guys